You are now listening to the Doula Road Trip Podcast. My name is Jariel and I am a certified doula. After a quick and unsuccessful start in the birth industry over six years ago, I am returning in order to turn my passion into my career. In this show, I am going to share with you my journey and my hope is that we together can start up and stay up doing the work that we absolutely love. This podcast will be a resource, it will be a tool, and it will also be a point of reference for you as you start your journey into birth work. I want to share everything that I wish I knew before I started and answer some frequently asked questions that constantly pop up in birth work even now six years later. I would love for you to be able to find inspiration, to find community, and to also be encouraged that the work that you love can absolutely be the work that you do for the rest of your life if you want. So let's go ahead and get into the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Doula Road Trip Podcast. I want to welcome everybody who's new and welcome back all of the oldies but goodies. I know I've been like doing Facebook ads, so people may be listening for the very first time. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. Today, we get to talk to Dustin. Dustin is the black male doula who is going viral all over the internet. And if you do not have your Google Alerts turned on, shame on you. Go to Google Alerts, type in the word doula, and make sure that every single time doula comes up in the news, you get an email. It's a great way to stay up on what's going on in our industry, get ideas for your business, and also keep up with people like Dustin who are going viral. So Dustin, welcome to the show. I would oh, love thank it. Thank you if for having you, me. Yeah, of course. I would love it if you would just give everybody an introduction of like who you are and what you do. Because we know you as the black male doula, but that may not be how you identify. So who are you <laughs> and what do you do? Yeah, my name is uh, Dustin Young. Um, I'm from uh, Carson, California, born and raised out there. Uh, for a lot of people who are not familiar, it's about five minutes from Compton. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to give you a little, little, little better idea about it, um, I am the founder of a nonprofit organization called Our Own. Uh, we focus on dismantling barriers uh, when it comes to education, um, health and wellness, um, entrepreneurship, financial literacy. We um, hyper focus on the youth within the inner cities. Um, here in Los Angeles, but uh, we actually focus on all community members that need access to resources and tools uh, to build a better community. We have several several different initiatives underneath um, our organization that focuses just on the whole body uh, because I feel like there's not one way you can solve a problem. So you have to attack different things um, and kind of create this whole experience for that allows us to grow. Um, I am a, I graduated with a so, um, sociology and psychology degree um, from Cal State Northridge. So that has uh, led my journey to working in the behavioral therapy space, which gave me a little bit more access and um, eyes on the problems um, our communities actually face. Mm. Love that. Okay, so let's talk about that. When you graduated high school, did you know that you wanted to do sociology and psychology and that you wanted to make an impact and a change in your neighborhood through nonprofits? Or how did that kind of unfold? 
Well, like I knew I always wanted to do something in the community, mm-hmm. but uh, going to college, uh, I was pushed in the direction of computer science because okay. my dad was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's the wave of the future. I'm like, yeah, sure. It's boring, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my it's not my groove. Mm-hmm. So um, after I got um, got into college, like I um, I ended up getting a job um, at this group home and I was just starting to relate with a lot of the kids there. So I'm like, huh, like this is this is a groove and I actually want to learn more about this behavioral science and why humans actually move the way they do. Cause I always had an interest and I was like that why kid as a, when I was younger, like, mm-hmm. why do we do this? Like, where the hell we come from? Like, <laughs> give me more answers. <laughs> so like, I always just wanted to kind of tap in more. So like, I always just been, uh, wanted to go that direction. And then community was just always a thing for me. Cause I grew up, uh, the, uh, the neighborhood and the block I grew up on was a very like communal type, energy and um environment like everybody looked out for one another um everybody supported their own and ensured that the entire community or at least that block was um was solid so it was like a village and that's where i got like my first um experience on what a village and community really was and kind of that was just instilled into me especially from my grandma and my my grandfather as well oh love that okay so let's talk about our own like what do you feel like you saw in the community that you felt like our own would be the answer to right what did people need that you feel like they were missing that your nonprofit answers i feel like they was missing this lack um this access to resources um and education so even like the definition of what say a vegan is like that wasn't present um or even within a home so like when you bring that term up it's like you got to go through a long list of what this actually is and why mm-hmm. it may be a, a, a you may want to incorporate like more fruits and veggies into into your lifestyle and i'll probably fully go straight plant-based but like this is how you incorporate to get the nutrients your body needs like those are not weren't thoughts and those are the same things i was seeing because in our community, we don't have one representation in the wellness space. Mm-hmm. So if we don't really see ourselves, you know, it's a, unfortunately, it's like a white space, but this is actually um, our thing. We kind of like created for this and we just kind of lost our way. Yeah. Um, so I just started seeing like just a lack of access a lot um, within our communities and what our own, I wanted to be that change. But in order to do that, I had to be the change for myself. Mm-hmm. So everything that's a part of our own is literally a representation of myself. I was like my own case study before starting. Like I changed my lifestyle around food. I started traveling. I understood what that did to like my mental and changed my mindset and open, uh, open up my eyes to the whole new world. Um, I started doing like meditation and yoga a little bit more and seeing what that does. And then just the connection from the gut to the brain and just the mental clarity I was having from everything on the whole body experience, which is why um, I said, like, when I wanted to create an organization and bring this information to the youth and to our community, it's how do I do it in a way that's relatable, mm-hmm. fun? Because, you know, I still like to have a good time. I think things is cool. Like, I don't want to be the, the boring nonprofit with sad music. It's <laughs> like, how do we <laughs> how do we create this experiential learning aspect that brings the community out, that's family, that's family reunion style? And everybody's just having a good time, but also learning mm-hmm. and also being exposed to different things and also is able to relate to the people who's providing this information. Love. What have been the challenges? What's been the hardest part about getting to where you are right now with your nonprofit org? Jesus Christ, uh, capital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, things cost money still um, yeah. um, to do a lot. I funded a lot of it from the jump myself, um, a lot of sweat equity, mm-hmm. um, to create proof of concept 
to this even get um, people to like identify and see like what I'm doing is different. But also I think the difficult part is it's not that I'm doing anything new, but it looks different to yeah. like corporations or to like this brand partners to where like, huh, this is not the typical, let's just give sandwiches to people um, that are homeless. Like right. we're treating people like human beings to where it's not, it doesn't come off charitable. Mm-hmm. It comes off more like this family. Like, look, we're looking out for my cousin, you know, cause they need little, little boots, yeah. you know, and this is how we want to go about it. And I like aesthetics, you know, so mm-hmm. I feel I want to create a standard when it comes to like my organization and put it out there in a way that it just looks good. It looks great. It looks like, you know, this is what we deserve. Yeah. No, 100%. 100%. So so let's talk about like what what are some of like the programming, right? Because I know now, thanks to a nonprofit expert, that the nonprofit is the thing, but what people actually fund are like the programs underneath it. So your programs are literally like nutrition, mental wellness. You're taking people on trips to expose their minds to what's outside of their neighborhood or like what does the programming look like? So uh, I broke down the program into like three tiers. So the, the very first um, program I had when I first started was uh, Seed and Soil. I wanted to figure out a, a, a unique way to create the relationship with food um, to the people in the community and provide a dope experience. So when I first did it, I bought this uh, 45-foot transit bus and converted it into a mobile market. And I was driving that. I was driving that around the hood and pulling up in different blocks like Compton, Watts, Inglewood, South Central, and allowing people to walk on and have this um, experience. So like, yeah, you could get your kale, your cilantro, your tomatoes, but also I like built out um, built out this lounge in the back that allowed, um, you could like come, I had like this dope vinyl player and like I huge on like records and vinyls. So you could pick out, say like a co-chain track or a Luther album or even Erica Badu or D'Angelo and put it on and like, you know, just have a groove while you shopping, but also it's educational. So I had um, recipe recommendations. So like, cause people look like, what's going to do with an acorn, acorn squash. So like, <laughs> like, yo, here's some recipe recommendations here. You could do, here's a lot you could do with these things. And here's, here's also the benefits. So like I found in that approach, like, taking an experiential learning component and creating like a large, like dope experience or activation um, that brings the people in, but then uh, follow that up with consistent programming. So with seed and soil, we provide, um, the bus, you know, it blew up on me, um, probably like after like six, seven, eight months, like the engine just blew up and I'm like, like this is going to cost like a bag to fix. Let me just, uh, what this looks like. But uh, on a weekly basis, providing like fresh produce throughout the community, as well as recipe cards, QR codes that takes you to a video of a black woman or black male actually cooking the recipe. So that representation is there as well. Um, And that connection is there and creating like this agrotech, like we're growing into like more of an agrotech uh, nutrition initiative. Yeah. Um, So that's the next steps on because my goal with everything in our own is to solve problems, um, mm-hmm. not to really put band-aids on nothing like awareness and exposure is cool, but like how are we fixing this? Um, so I plan to scale seed and soil to like solving the main problem on nutrition, lack of access and actually hunger. Um, we have Be Right Back, which is my STEAM and mentorship program. Uh, with that, that was initially like um, probably started like 2018 was the thought. 2019 is when I put it in action. And 
the first round of it is still like a 12, 12 to 15 week program where we're providing all these dope experiences for uh, youth in the community. Because um, mentorship, sometimes, you know, everybody looks like, oh, let's just go check on grades and play football or catch in the backyard. And I'm like, yo, we need like real tangible hands on experiences that's changing mindsets and providing opportunities for our kids. So we teaching like financial literacy, uh, we teaching like wellness on a weekly basis, because also a thing that's not talked about often as it should is the PTS we experience in our communities. Like we don't have to go to war to have this. We're experiencing trauma on a daily basis in our communities and we're normalizing it to where we're becoming numb to a lot. So like providing like, look, this is what meditation is in different forms of it. And this is how you can do it that relates to you. Cause it doesn't just look like sitting Indian style um with your eyes closing your hands up like it could look in so many different ways and that's how like meeting our community where they're at and providing the tool and the resource there that they could use that makes sense for them and then they could take that and grow in their own way um so within the be right back program we teach like the wellness the food component dope, dope experiences like we took them on a helicopter ride around there uh, around la uh, to get an aerial view of the city one to focus on um to focus on uh, fear. So everything has like uh, a reason behind it. So the helicopter ride, a lot of our kids haven't even been off the ground, Hel airplane, helicopter, whatever. So like, let's do this, but let's focus on fear. Let's focus on overcoming this fear. And now seeing how we overcome this, overcame this fear. Now we can move forward and continue to push through. So that was like a dope experience. And then we, we provide everybody with a passport at the end of the program. Um, and, and then take them on a trip abroad. So in 2019, we took the, um, the kids to Cuba. Um, 2020 was supposed to go to Egypt, but you know, COVID kind of like altered that. So they were to pivot that into uh, uh, creating like this internship pipeline opportunity to where like now our kids are being pipelined to internships at corporations that we partner with, um, getting hands-on experience either in the advertising marketing uh, world, uh, fabrication design and build, um, just any like corporate jobs or whatever um, to where like whatever they want to do after high school. Now, at least they have something on their resume. They could take that and they could build that um, into like an actual career. And the ones who don't want to go to college, like we provided 10 jobs last year um, during COVID to um, seniors or graduate, um, graduating high school seniors. So where like now they're making like, you know, good money fresh out of high school. And now they can actually work their way up and figure out what they want to do. So, yeah. And the last thing self so self is like the mental physical fitness of everything so that's um our we have like a run club that's attached to it we have um we partner with different organizations as well that's focused on weekly meditation yoga events or cycling events and that focuses on representation again but also within the city so like a run club for example is in smacking inglewood inglewood is predominantly a black neighborhood so when we look at a lot of run clubs or run groups or even marathons, whatever, they run around our city, never through it. So we want to change that narrative and be like, look, no, we can run through our city and it is fun and it's safe. And this is also what we do. Um, so last year, um, one of the guys like my guy who leads it, you know, super energetic and all that. He uh, the group in itself brought um, we probably had like, I think like 70 to like 100 people come out on a weekly basis to run three miles in the community. But uh, last year, I think like 30 people ran that marathon for the very first time. Um, and we're talking about people that don't run. So they came out, trained, ran and ran a marathon. This year, I think we got 100 people signed up. So um, it's focusing. It's cool to run all that. But the problem is solving is what the main thing in the black community is 
Uh, we have heart disease issues. We have um, hypertension, diabetes, and all these things. And a lot can be prevented through nutrition, education, and uh, physical exercise. So how do we change that narrative by providing this access here and doing it in a cool way? So that's why our own is this whole thing. And it's like, if you see the sit. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the ecosystem that promotes wellness from the inside out. I absolutely love it. So tell me like why, like what's the mindset, right? Like how did you become this person who's like this old soul who loves vinyls and riding on <laughs> buses to get like mobile, like nutrition to people? Like what, yeah. where does that come from? Um, I would say, man, just like my family is like, um, hmm. my grandfather was like a very, uh, a, a solid person in my life like my dad was there as well but um my dad you know he's the strict parent <laughs> but my yeah. grandma and gra my grandma grandma like my grandma was like the one who raised the entire community i'm from like she raised a whole neighborhood she babysat everybody she had a daycare um i couldn't even go to school without um having a teacher that knew my grandma so like there was mm -hmm. this that but then my grandfather was like one of them old school 70 cats mm -hmm. like you know i don't think he actually bought anything that was new in today's time like he always <laughs> still had his bell bottoms and the sweatshirt and these these uh knit tops i'm like pop like you don't want nothing new like nah man fat. i'm good <laughs> you know so he had his he had his ring and all that but he was always a hard worker took care of the family um held it down and then he um he was just a huge jazz person so like every time i'll go over there and would chill and hang Listen to like Bird, um, Coltrane, Miles, um, Marvin Gaye, like you know, this this is the music I always had. So I always kind of created this old soul version of myself. But also my family and parents, like, you know, they didn't treat me, my older sister, like kids. Like, you know, we would have full on conversations with like these adults that'd be at the at the house, like, you know, actually if it's a party or they just hanging out. And they'll talk to us like we're, you know, like we're their age. So, like, it just kind of, like, mentally um, allows us to grow up a little bit faster. Yeah. So, speaking of, like, growing up faster and having, like, adult, like, conversations, what has the conversation been like in your house around, like, pregnancy and childbirth, right? Because you ended up morphing into your sister's doula. So I would love to know, like yeah. when you were growing up, like what did you think about like childbirth and pregnancy? And did you see like midwives and doulas where you grew up in Carson or like where did that even come from? No, not at all. I didn't even know what a doula or midwife or none of that stuff was. Okay. I knew that what the, the practice was like my grandma, uh, she comes from like a large family. So she always used to talk about like, yeah, we took care of our own, we birthed our own babies that da, 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 da. like, you know, your, your great grandma was, um, um, was a slave. So she went through this process and da, da. so it was just like that, that history of like what midwifery was during the um, slavery time. Okay. Um, and then how that kind of like, um, grew into what, um, her sisters and cousins and everybody were kind of doing how everybody supported around like the childbirth experience. Wow. But, uh, my grandma and aunt and like a lot of, I have a lot of women in my family. Um, but mainly like my grandma and aunt, they have like zero filter <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to a lot. Mm -hmm. So as a kid, like, I might be in a, um, on a couch watching like Saturday cartoons or something like that. And my aunt might come out like, Oh, I'm bleeding today. Like my damn period. And I'm like, what, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching Darkwing Duck and you just destroyed my, I'm going outside to play right now. So it's, it was always that. And then I have an older sister who's 11 months and 10 days um, older than oh, me. Wow. So like, 
was uh, me, uh, her, like my dad and my grandma was there a lot too. So we, I went, me and my dad kind of went through my sister's puberty stage together. Okay. So it's like, oh, you just got your period. Um, you're cramping. So uh, yeah. here, let's fill up in, I don't know how old you are, but like there's this thing uh, back in the day. It was like this red rubber um, pad type thing. So you would fill it up with hot water mm. and then, you know, boiling mm-hmm. hot water all the time. And then you wrap it up in a towel, you know, you put that on. Yeah. And that was your um, heating pad back in the day. Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. So like that's things like, you know, I had to do what my dad would do and I would see that. And then also just listen to the conversations of my aunt and grandma where they would talk about their relationships with men or like this, how um, their bodies are going through this. My aunt had like fibroid issues a lot. Um, mm-hmm. She ended up, that led to like a, a hysterectomy at some point. Wow. So like these words and buzzwords and conversations was always around. So there's always, and I was always that why kid. So I start always asking questions like, I don't understand what your body's going through. What is this? Yeah. So that was like instilled to me early. It wasn't until um, I got a little bit older. So my other younger sister, she's 29 now. Mm-hmm. She had a, she had the first, uh, my first nephew and okay. she was going to school and I, she moved in uh, with me and my older sister for the entire nine months, gave her my entire room so she could kind of like relax. And I feel like this was my first go around as being a doula, but uh-huh. I never really thought about it. Um, Cause like, I just went through the whole process of this taking care of her. Like, Oh, what yeah. do you need? Okay, cool. I was the one she woke up in the middle of the night. Like it's go time. I'm like, I'm running outside with one sock on and <laughs> going to the hospital. It's like a scene from a movie. And we get there, you know, she's probably like one or two centimeters dilated or something, and, you know, mm. staying in the hospital for like 20 hours or something. It was just a lot. So yeah. um, my younger sister, who I assisted, she was 21. So 21 when she uh, first got pregnant, um, oh. she ended up, she was going to Langston University um, at the time. Okay. And... Um, not sure if she was getting like the right medical support because she was also out there by herself. Mm-hmm. Um, like f- there was like no family out there. Um, and that kind of whatever happened, transpired stress or just being nervous or whatever, it led to like her not being listened to a lot. And then she ended up uh, finding out she had a uh, the heartbeat stop and she had to move back to LA and go through the whole procedure of uh, delivering a still um, stillborn. Mm, um stillbirth so like that was just a lot and mentally it i know it messed with it messed with me and at the time like i was living in new york so i wasn't as present as i wanted to be Mm -hmm. um and i always from that point even before then i always like thought about like huh what is childbirth like the woman's body is amazing like what's going like you guys are creating life inside so i was always intrigued Mm -hmm. um all the things that the human species in general, like our bodies are just amazing, but the women, you guys, what goes on is, it's insane. It's dope. Insane in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that kind of like led to this, just the idea. I'll start researching. Obviously once I start going through my own transformation to like, um, to who I am today, me researching like lifestyle changes, diets and all that came across like the term doula and then start understanding like, Oh, okay. Doula is this. A midwife is this. And then I started following this page, um, Kendrick Space LA on Instagram for about two years. And it was just always like watching like their feed, like, okay, they're talking about this. This is what lactation specialist does. And what is a placenta encapsulation uh, 
Like, what is? Yeah, it's some weird. What stuff is this up. stuff, man? <laughs> yeah. So, like, I was doing like my own research. So, like, by the time my younger sister um, got pregnant, getting like twenty four, um, I pay for her to get a doula. Um, and her doula is like, well, this is a cost. Um, I tell, and it's a little bit more because I need assistant because it's hard work. But um, I hear that you're actually interested and you I, you want to get uh, be a part of this world. I'm like, yeah. She's like, you want to get some hands-on experience? I'll reduce my cost and you can become my assistant. I'm like, sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to be there regardless because I'm her brother. So, yeah, get like, all right, saves me money. Yeah. So, right. yeah, that's how I kind of got into um, that. And then also my friend, she was pregnant at the same time as my sister. Wow. And she didn't have a support person at all. Like, it was... I'm not putting her business out there. It was just a lot. So I start, uh, I told her, I look, I'll be here. I'll go to your classes with you. And I Aww. introduced her to a doula, um, Kendrick Space LA. And she got the doula. I actually won it for my sister. Um, and she went through that process and I was there. And I'm like, in these classes, everybody like eight hours long. And I'm like, mm-hmm. one of the only guys in there. I'm like, so what happens? You do what? <laughs> oh, man. And I'm just taking notes. I'm like, this is wow <laughs> so i'm like in i'm in there like feel like i'm about to give birth i'm like this is amazing you know are you guys listening god <laughs> so like uh i made a, a strong connection with the lady who was running the space kendrick, kendrick la um one of the co-founders her name is kim mm-hmm. and it's always stay connected with her and uh i'm just taking like all the stuff i was learning from her and applying it with uh with my little sister and then let's also listening to the doula that i had there yeah and um it was able to like, yeah, go through the process, which was cool, man. Um, and just understanding like there's so much that us men don't know. Mm-hmm. And understanding a lot of women don't know about their own bodies, right. which I uh, uncovered during this process. 100%. And, and that's when, like I say, like when it comes to resources, access to resources and education is key, like because yeah. we don't know. And we're sometimes expected to know. And you know, as men, our pride and ego gets in the way. Like, man, I don't know, man, but I ain't going to say I don't know. And I'm going to pretend like I know. And this is like, you know, we get yelled at and all that stuff and we don't have a space to like be vulnerable. So it's just, it becomes a lot. Yeah. So what happened? Like, so you trained as your sister yeah, doula yeah. and what ended up happening? Yeah, man. So like, um, I was with her the entire time. Okay. Um, so I didn't, I didn't actually become certified to like the following year, okay. um, 2020. Um, it's a process. Yeah, it's a it's a process. So yeah. I was like in it, working with her, going to her hospital visits, asking questions, like practicing like these little massage techniques, um, learning what the the, the yoga ball does, mm-hmm. and you know just being there um, as much because you know wanted to ensure she had someone there. Uh, my mom, granted, she gave birth to four um, kids, but like she's not into the birthing experience. Oh, it's just not her thing. Like oh. she gets grossed out. I she gets grossed out, and even knowing like she might have to see, like she can't. This is not her thing. <laughs> okay. But and I realized like like well, you were just laying down the entire time pushing the baby out, so you wasn't really like there. So I'm like, well, whatever, mom, I'll be there. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was, uh, the process we go through the entire time when she actually went into labor. Um, that was fun. Cause she hit me like, Hey, I think I'm going into labor. I'm like, where are you? She's like two hours away from home. I'm like, make it here right now. Hurry up. What are you doing? She's like, doesn't relax and calm and chill. 
Um, after I finally got my, my shit together, I was like, calm. I was like, all right, let me put my doula cap on, take my brother cap off. <laughs> and, uh, she, she, when she got back to the house, like, um, I came over there later, um, had my mom turn all the, all the electronics, like the TVs and all that stuff off. Mm-hmm. Um, I brought a diffuser. So we had like lav- lavender scents going throughout the entire, um, yeah, house, created this oil. vibe. Uh-huh. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I had, a. Uh, all the lights down lit had like candles all over the place uh-huh. and created like this energy that was just calming and relaxing mm-hmm. um, because that was one thing I learned. You don't want to, you know, she's has anxiety and stressing because of the first situation. So she just wanted right. to make sure she had a successful birth. Yeah. So like, how can we relax and calm all this down? Because we don't want to trigger anything to where you uh, induce yourself a little too soon or whatever the case is and something could right. go wrong. So yeah, we're just going through this process and, you know, it's hard to be a support person. And a lot of times, you yes. know, so a doula is a one, you know, if people don't know, is we're here to support mentally, physically, emotionally throughout the process to create this amazing birthing experience. We are not medical <laughs> licensed doctors. Nope. So a lot of times, like, especially what's been going on, everybody's like, oh, you MD, you out here delivering babies. I'm like, you know, I, I, I can put some gloves on. And catch, but like that's not my groove. That's not what we do. So like, right. um, yeah. But yeah, doing the entire process, uh, I'm massaging every contraction. Like every time she contracts, like, huh, hitting these pressure points to like alleviate the pain, so she's good. Mm-hmm. And I'm like getting tired. It's like four or five in the morning, man. Like her uh, her doula comes because I'm the assistant, so she comes and like mm-hmm. tags me out. I'm like, fuck, God, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so. She tags me. Uh, she tags me out, mm-hmm. and she, um, she handles like part like the last part. So she's um, um, going through the process and just helping her out. I'm like, let me just take a quick nap. And like 30 minutes later, my sister, because the goal was to labor at home as much as possible. So once okay. we go to the hospital, um, it could just be go time because like we didn't want you know how the lights, the sounds, and the machines. It's just yep. it's just too much and stressing. And then it slows down labor. All, it changes your rhythm. All that. Yeah. And then this is also too like she had her nursing and doctors from the beginning. All that switched the time she went to labor. So it's like oh. now we're dealing with strangers. You know, okay. like I don't know who we about to like catch this baby. You get the on call person. Exactly. Yeah. So by the time uh we get there, first of all, like this was a movie of me driving her to the hospital. You drove. Like okay. yes. <laughs> So I'm I'm a very calm individual because of my experience about like 13, 14 years working in behavioral health in these group homes and dealing with a lot of uh, families and kids with like extreme behavior issues. Yeah. You have to be calm at all times. So like right. it's really it's really hard for me to even be like, oh my God, <laughs> what's happening? Like it's like, yeah. all right, so okay, you're in labor. Let's uh they're not Braxton Hicks, like we're good. We're it's go time. Let's let's do our thing. Right. And um um you're not familiar with LA, but at seven in the morning in a certain, to get to the hospital where she was uh, scheduled to have her baby, mm-hmm. there's this one long stretch that you have to take this damn street and there's no way you can hit a U-turn or do anything. And it's mm-hmm. fucking always traffic there. So we hit it. I'm like, ah, traffic. My mom in the back calling uh, the police. I'm like, <coughs> like mom, about to do some real wild illegal shit. <laughs> Can you not tell them where our location is because you're going to give me a ticket? Like, what are you doing? Are you snitching back there? Like, come on. 
<laughs> so she's trying to call the helicopter out and have the police like clear this out on like mine. By the time they try to clear any of this stuff out, uh, I'll probably be at the hospital. I'll like this chill. Yeah. So, so by the time we get there, I'm like hitting through traffic, um, cutting through intersections on red lights and telling people like stop, you know, because she's like, you know, it's over there on the passion side and, you know, just going through it like, oh, my God. I'm like and I'm breathing with her like, oh, let's do our breathing techniques because. Yep. And then like some some liquid came out. And I was like, oh, my God. what was <laughs> Like I had some gloves in my back pocket and there's this scene that popped in my head at the time. I actually never told about this, but there's this scene that popped up in my head from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air uh-huh. when he was, uh, I think he was hanging out with Vanessa Williams, I think. Yeah. Um, what's it? And they was going to a Laker game or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they was in the limo and she like, yo, it's going. He had to like be there. I was like, oh my God, this is my moment. <laughs> I, I got, I have my gloves with me. Like I'm ready. Let's, let's go. Yeah. But I was able to get her. I was able to get her there to the hospital. Um, rushed in the wheelchair, got upstairs. The frustrating part um, about this was by the time we got there, I'm telling them I'm her brother, but also I'm her uh, the assistant doula. The doula's mm-hmm. on her way because um, her doula was like finding parking, so she's about to come upstairs as well. Right. Here's our birth plan that we worked on because uh, I made a copy of it. Like these are positions she kind of wants to try to deliver, um, mm-hmm. standing up, squatting, or whatever. Um, if these don't work, we could result to like laying down. Uh, and they was like, whatever. Um, I was like, uh, no, no, these are the things, and we need a room right now because she's was close about like based on the contractions I was counting, she was about like seven centimeters, maybe eight dilated before we got to the hospital. So oh, I'm wow. like, she might be. Ten. I'm like, she might be ten, and. They was like, nah, nah. So they take my sister and they was like, we need a urine sample. My sister was like, no, I, I'm not about to give you a urine sample because if I can give you one, the baby's coming out in the toilet. Granted, that's not how it works. But, you know, she's <laughs> right. telling them like, yeah, th- right. Like, mm-hmm. exactly. So they're not listening to her at all. Like, like, no, we need a urine sample. So they take her into this bathroom and I'm losing it at this point. I'm like, what the fuck are y'all doing? So I'm talking to two other nurses. I'm like, can y'all get her room, please? Like, like she needs to get, get in there ASAP. Mm-hmm. So probably about like, Men is in a bathroom. The nurse realized, like, oh, I think it's time for you to go. Like, we'll do a urine sample or something later. I'm like, we told you this. So um, they put her in a room. Um, she lays down. And I was like, um, can I think I mentioned to one of the nurse, like, can we do, like, it's it's go time. Like, can we actually probably get into, like, one of these uh, positions, you know, and, and prepare? And it's like, well, we need to check and see how many centimeters she's dilated. I was like. Uh, buzzwords, crowning, ring of fire, a head is coming out. Like, so they put her legs up and then you see, um, pretty much it's like time to go. So they encourage her to push. Um, I'm standing like behind. I actually put some gloves on one of the nurses. Like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know. I think I'm about to catch the baby race. Like, get out of here. (laughs) Like, you're not about to, you're not about to do nothing. Like this stand over there. So like I'm behind her and I'm watching the entire experience Mm -hmm. and I'm, one push that like the head comes out, another push like wow. the shoulders and everything wiggle out. And after that, like the third or fourth push, like the whole body comes. I'm like, you know, you see on movies, you know, you you see people like crying and whatever. And I'm a very calm, chill dude, mm-hmm. you know, but watching that this I don't know, it just for me. I'm like, man, what's some going on in my eyes? Like <laughs> <laughs> 
that's him, beautiful man. What is this experience? Yeah. And you know, so he comes out, he starts crying, uh, immediately put uh put him on her so you know he could start getting that like skin to skin touch. Mm-hmm. Um I also got annoyed because on the birth plan we had delayed clamping, delayed yeah. clamping. And as soon as the baby came out, they clamped the they umbilical clamped. cord right away. And I was just like, yo, what are y'all doing? Um they and they gave me the scissors. Plan. And stick to the plan nah. at all yeah yeah no nah, they just went through the pride like it happened so quick because right. like she was already there by the time we got there it's just like yo sit here do this push push baby wah and then it was just like so quick and fast like they didn't listen to anything we said right um so that that was the annoying part but um you know healthy he was fine there's no Aww. issues um and i'm a nerd and i'm learning more and more about this about the placenta I just yep. think like that is like the hardest thing ever, the you know. Super dope. Yeah, it's just because like yo, like you guys don't have this in your bodies right now, no. Nope. You know, and then the moment you know, like our little sperm, the one that actually has some endurance and finds its way up there, hits that egg, starts this whole process. You know, you're developing this organ in your body that's going to provide life and oxygen to um, a baby and. Yeah. It's a life force. Uh, I don't know. I just that's your next certification, uh, placenta encapsulus? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. dead ass. Dead, dead, dead ass. Like, I'm, I'm planning yeah. on doing that um, when I find some time because my organization is taking a lot of my time right now and then answering yeah. all these emails and DMs. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, like so, mine, uh, I appreciate. <laughs> right. I'm sorry yeah. I got too late, but I had to, I had to, I had to go through them. No, no, you weren't late at all. I appreciate it. So tell me this, that that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Do you think there's really space in your life to be a birth doula, right? Because being a birth doula requires that you be on call, right? Drop everything in yeah. your life to be there with the mm-hmm. family. And then until they don't need you anymore, you drop back into yeah. your life, but you still check on them throughout the postpartum mm-hmm. period. And you run this incredible nonprofit organization. So yeah. do you really have space in your life to be a doula? I do. I just don't have space to probably take on like, 45 families that has requested me all at once <laughs> but <laughs> okay. uh uh but yeah i do have um i do have space um to do okay. it um to take on a family or two here and there um i was able after my sister's birth i assisted two other births after um wow. okay as well so like um one of them and both of those was actually like during covid so it was more like the virtual component okay. um yeah. and then one of them i was able like um was one of my homeboys um I showed up when she actually went into labor and was there for about, I think, like 12 hours before uh, assisting her to the hospital. Okay. Um, so, and that and that situation was different because, like, now I'm, like, you know, working with my homeboy, and I start seeing, again, the problem. Um, mm-hmm. And the problem was more so um, he didn't know nothing, <laughs> you yep. know? So it's like, how can I support him? And kind of like um, help support him, support her, um, and that was like a more so like the mission. I think that's more of the direction I kind of want to go into um, how to support men during this process because we are part of the process, and I think oftentimes we do get left out because um, it is focused on like the woman and getting birth because she needs as much support as possible. But yeah. um, if we're part of it. Uh, we need to be strong and well as well to be able to show up for her so it just reduces all stress levels, depression, or just any type of anything that could go wrong. 
Um, yeah. So if, and it's like, cause I don't necessarily feel like every man need to go out there and become like a certified doula. Cause you don't okay. need the paperwork. You don't need the paperwork and all that stuff to be a support person. Like we've been doing this dating back to like ancient Egypt. Like this is what mm-hmm. we do. Um, we just lost our way. Like man has always been a part of the birthing process. Um, if we just yeah. tap back into like, if we go far back enough, um, I think it's just more like men understanding that since we are a part of this process, how are we showing up for ourselves and for um, our person? Because yeah. if the woman feels confident that someone is there to like advocate for her or to like um, do things that she can necessarily do so she can actually relax and chill during this time and really experience this, yeah. um, she would be more at ease. So I think for me, because I've been talking to a lot of fellas too uh, that's been reaching out and it's just, they have a lot of questions, you know, and I don't have all the answers, but like I provide them more than what they know and it gives yeah. them uh, the opportunity to do more research and to tap in, to be there and support. Um, so like I do, like a lot of people have asked me like, oh, do you get any like feedback from, you know, the men out here that- Yes. Uh, we want to know you because know. <laughs> the yeah, men are tough. We have, I mean, as a female yeah. doula, I can tell you that the men are tough. Either they don't want you there because they feel like you step on their toes and you replace them, or mm-hmm. the other one are the guys who don't say anything. I just want my wife to be taken care of. I just want my fiance to be taken care of. I just want my girlfriend yeah. to be taken care of. And you do try to talk to them about their fears or challenges or questions. And they're like, nope, I don't have any. I'm just here for her. So it is really like guys are definitely a hard shell to crack. Like you're either adversary. And then once you go through the whole process, then they like you in the postpartum period. Right. Because they saw what you did for their partner during labor and they respect the work that you did. So then at the postpartum visit, they like you. Right. But it's like you weren't able to get them on your side the whole entire time. Or they're like, oh, like just do your thing. Just do your thing. Just do your thing. And then at the end, you know, they thank you as well. But you never like I would love to know what questions do the men have because they're not asking us any for sure and I don't know if it's like that with the other doulas but it's tough well what I found and this is something that I don't know if it's just like me and like whatever energy I give off yeah. um but what I've always experienced even working like when I first started working in group homes and like the foster care system mm-hmm. the young man that I would work with always related to me and they found it, found my energy, something common and gave them ease to like to share. Okay. Like, and this is, and this is not me like tooting my own horn or bragging. It's just, I, people literally just share <laughs> stuff without me asking, um, yeah. which allows me to um, let them share and create this space so they can be vulnerable and then give them um, some help, advice, or just be an ear. You know, because yeah. sometimes we just need to get this information out and we don't share. We're just like a lot of men, we're, uh, we're shaking them um, champagne bottles. I mean, and once we pop that top, you know, we just explode. So mm. um, we try to, I try to like be around and just let them get to that point so they don't have to get there and just pack all this anger, frustration or whatever inside. So like the men that I have been around, um, I haven't got like no negative feedback. It's just... You know, some people are like, oh, you know, I don't want you around. People like, you know, my friends and stuff would joke like, I don't know about having you around, you know, looking at my girl's vagina and rubbing on her while I'm there. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> they're joking stuff like that. But like, I think the approach I've brought is like, you know, I just ask like, 
what do you want out this birthing experience? Like, do you want the most healthiest birth experience possible? Do you want to be taken care of as well as your woman to be taken care of and to make sure the baby comes out as um, healthy as possible? If that's yeah. the answer, then like, let's focus on these steps and create this because also like, you know, there's male nurses, male OBGYNs, there's male. A hundred percent. What is it? Gynecologists? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, we don't really question that per se, but like, you know, we the don't. doula or like the, the you know, midwife or mid-husband or whatever the case is, like, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a, there's, you know, there's those questions that are there sometimes, but I think once you remove like the ignorance of that and just kind of create this safe space to where like, like I'm just here to support and to build a confidence for you. Like I'm not yeah. here to take your, your place. I'm here to give you the confidence uh, and give you the, the skills so you could be here. And I'm just yeah. back here coaching. Like, yo, you got a big dog? Like, because, mm -hmm. you know, like, like I said before, like we can all become this with the knowledge and stuff that's out there. And we, yeah. we know our person better than anybody else. So, like, I know she might want to be touched on the back of her neck during this time because it calms her down. Like, all right, I'm not going to do it. You have that touch and that connection. So, like, if you know these things, like, when she's going through this, like, let's talk about orgasmic births. You know, like, let's. Uh oh, not let's, the old word. <laughs> all right. All right. Like, you know, let's talk about that. And it's like, well, you know, I'm not going to, uh, I don't need to be there if you know these things about her. So like, yeah, like if you don't need to caress the back of her neck to get her in this mood or whatever, that creates like more lubrication down there. So the baby just come out smoother. Like these are things that, you know, we might laugh and joke about, but are real. And, yeah, you know, if the, if the men are, if the men are equipped with this knowledge, like, you know, they'll be there, they'll create the, the jokes and, you know, the laughs that are needed for her to be like, you know, more at ease. Like mm -hmm. these are all things that could just help the birthing experience in the process just be so much better. So yeah. yeah, I haven't really got only like assisted three births, but like having like even like the people that just reach out for just some questions. Um, yeah. I don't really get no type of negative pushback yet. Love it. it. Do you think that there's a space in our own programming for maternal wellness and health for men as they of support course. Like their we're, expecting parents? Yeah. Well, uh, the crazy thing is always been um, a part of it. I just didn't know what it looked like. Okay. Um, so back so back when, when I was working with uh, a lot of young men, one thing I would come across is like, you know, it's a lot of young fathers. And the young fathers would either like leave, run away because they're scared. They don't know what to do. They're not equipped. They didn't have a, a, the positive upbringing that they needed. They don't, uh, they don't have the finances or just... There's anything that just keeps them there. So, like, at the time, I was like, man, I just need to create, like, a stay a stay home uh, program. Yeah. And figuring out, because I started researching, I'm like, yo, there's nothing that's teaching young men on how to, like, stay present during this process at all. Yeah. There's a lot of program for women um, and support, but there's, like, nothing out there that's helping young men, like, if it's finding a job, if it's, like, giving them education on the process on how to just be present, how to change a diaper. Like, there's nothing there educating. So yeah. um, that was, like, the, my first thoughts, like, years ago. So now it's, it's developing, like, what that looks like. If it's not me per se, but, like, creating a system where, like, I can offer free uh, um, postpone, um, postpartum, uh, pro bono, like, support. Uh, mm -hmm. to, um, to families that like might not have like might have like a financial barrier. 
So like yeah. using my organization to like, like I'll pay for a doula support during this process. Um, and then I could also be present as well. Um, if you want a midwife or something like that, then here's the options and I can figure out how to support through my organization financially or uh, physically. So uh, wow. I'm definitely creating that out. And I'm also uh, working on a guide. So uh, okay. um, it's not fully broken. Like I haven't fully broken down how I want to do it all the way. Like it's got some notes, but okay. what I've also learned with talking to a lot of men during this process um, is as men, we like to, we're, we're conquerors by nature. Like we like to complete, complete tasks, um, win, all mm -hmm. these things. This is why, like, we take sports so seriously, you know, because mm -hmm. this is that competitive edge. So, one thing I used to do back in the day is with um, the, the kids I work with, I had like a 30, 60, 90 day um, program that um, oh. I had to do within, like, within my organization, uh, within the organizations I work with. So, it's like mm -hmm. within 30 days, this is the goal that's set. Here's the how we're going to incentivize you um, after you complete this 60 100%. days, boom, 90, and just keep doing that. So how I look, how taking that approach and applying it to the birthing experience is breaking it down into four, uh, four quarters. So like basketball, football, we have four quarters and we break down the first quarter is the first trimester. So this is how we're focusing on um, what she's going through during the stage and how you could show up. And mm. these are things you could do to complete. And not that you need to be incentivized, but like this is here's your thing. And then once you complete this part, we move mm. on to the second quarter. Yeah. You know, the second trimester. We go to the third and then the fourth quarter is just a four, uh, postpartum, postpartum. Um, mm -hmm. four, uh, fourth trimester. And this is like, this is when you put on like that mama mentality. This is when you put on like that Kobe, mm -hmm. Michael Jordan flow and you go hard and identify like, yo, this is, I like I seconds in the game. I got to like be focused. And this yeah. is where the support, this is where the support really comes in because like, we talk about the entire experience, but like, you know, it's becoming more popular now about the fourth uh, postpartum, um, yeah. that being like a, the fourth trimester and really like showing up. But like what I've learned, even saw it with like my sister and then other people, like mm -hmm. when the support is not there mentally, I think um, women, you know, if they're by themselves, they still have to do, yes. you know, we still, you gotta still have to like, well, I have to, make myself some eat. I have to like probably pick up this toy. I have to move stuff around mm -hmm. and you're not allowing your body to fully rest. Um, no. And then people are, you know, selfish in their own way where they just want to kind of come and see the baby yes. and not actually come and support you. So like, yeah. um, like I know when I was telling my mom, this, I'm like, yeah, I know people want to come see the baby. Like they could come if they bring in food. They could come if they're washing some dishes. They could come if they're mm -hmm. going to like do A, B, and C. Like, if not, like leave their ass at home. You know, after about 40 days, <laughs> 40, they could come and they could hang out. You know, yeah. like this is the time for you um, to like fully Sacred. rest. And sure. also like how I look how I look at it too. So you know how sometimes like people get like cuts in the side of their mouth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for whatever reason, and you're doing a lot of talking, it's hard for your these cuts to heal because like yep. you're constantly just moving in and opening, opening them up, it. the yep. womb. So how I see how like the placenta is separated from the uterus is, and I saw it, that shit is like a huge, <laughs> like flat out <laughs> brain. I'm like, man, this is, yep. Jesus. I'm like, this came out of you? 
<laughs> but what I see, what I see is it's an open wound, yeah. you know, inside the body, you know, 100%. which is like the bleeding, all the stuff that's coming on. So if you're constantly moving and you're constantly doing things, you're not allowing your body to rest, recover, and for your everything to contract. So this could yeah. like heal and close faster, you know. So yeah. this is why like you other things, other problems like could come after. So this is why they say sometimes like man, after childbirth, like up to like forty days, man, you should not even do nothing. You should barely yeah. get out of bed. You should not even your feet should even touch the ground. You know, like maybe yeah. go shower, do a little bit of exercise, of moving around, but breastfeed, relax, rest, recover, and let your body like fully do what it needs to do. And then on the nutrition side, it's like. Um, how I see it, and this is probably more research I got to do on my end, but like our bodies exhaust a lot of energy when we break down food, mm-hmm. you know, so you kind of want to eat things that are cooked, warm and easy to like break down. So like a lot yeah, of like, you know, veggies, right? So mm-hmm. if you're eating like say raw foods or salads, like the body spends more energy breaking down raw stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're eating this, it's taking energy away from contracting your uterus and closing up this wound um, yeah. and putting it towards breaking down this food. Uh, mm-hmm. So still got to like do some more research on that and see what that looks like and how to create a better um, alternative plan for that and use my seed and soil program because I'm partnering with, well, I partner with uh, the birthing center here in LA. So mm-hmm. providing like, um, fresh produce um, and uh, meal recipes and stuff like that and herbs and everything that you could take during your pregnancy yeah. um, and providing to, like, to, uh, to expecting mothers. So, because one thing also too, like the woman's body, like nutrition, mm-hmm. like how much nutri- uh, nutrients you're getting in the body to like take care of yourself, also feeding to the, to the baby. And if we're working in underserved communities, again, the lack of access to healthy food options is just not present. So yeah. if we're just constantly going to McDonald's every day, like, you know, those gonna have some effects on the body. You know, mm-hmm. if you guys' hormones are going crazy, you know, to the roof. And if you're incorporating like this more um, processed foods and stuff like that, it's just, it's just a lot. So <laughs> not a scientist, not a new, I'm not all this, but like, it's just information I feel like is out there. And this is, I, again, I put myself mm-hmm. through the process. Um, so I've seen the benefits of it. So I'm just speaking off experience. And yeah, I love what you journey. said about the program that you're creating, um, where it's going to be like sports associated with the four trimesters of the maternity process. It would be super dope if you did like a workbook and like a reoccurring yeah. like group, like live group with men, or even like an online yeah. course if you want to make sure that your time is not attached yeah, to go it. Ahead. Yeah, go ahead and give me more work to do. I'm trying not to. <laughs> if you license it out to other people, because so many of us yeah. are always looking for things to give the partners like in Facebook groups I don't know how many doula groups you're in but every single month somebody is like hey what books or resources do you recommend for expecting dads and so that would be a dope resource for expecting dads I can't wait till you release that and let me ask you this what has it been like being like famous right going viral because I've seen you on like Good Morning America Afrotech I've seen you on Black Enterprise like you've been popping up I'm on Black Enterprise? Yes, you're. You didn't know. Yes, <laughs> no, I, I don't know where all this stuff is coming from. You to need be to honest put a Google you, like, alert with your name on it. 
<laughs> yeah, you're on Black Enterprise. I'll send you the link. But wow. yeah, you are on Black Enterprise. And one of my favorite wow. podcasts, uh, Sarah Jakes Roberts, you know who she is? T.D. Jakes' daughter. So <laughs> somebody sent me that's like, uh, like, yo, I found you on this uh, podcast. I'm like, um, yeah, what podcast? And they, and they like, told me the name. I'm like, event. I'm T.D. Jakes' daughter? What's she talking about? And I went to it and, <laughs> and listened to the whole podcast. And then I just heard a Tupac beat drop. I'm like, what? What? What is this? <laughs> is this a whole segment on me? <laughs> it was actually yeah, hilarious. She does, man. like current events and she pulled up yeah. Dustin's story from the news and the comments were hilarious. Somebody says, Does the doula need a bula? Everybody was so concerned <laughs> about the fact that a young black single man was a doula. Okay. Like everybody yeah, was man. going crazy in the comments. It was hilarious. I actually got to watch yeah. it live. So yeah, so what has it been like being famous and going viral? Oh man, this is not it's, it's not my groove, man. Like I'm a really yeah. like, and I, I'm not just saying this to be fake humble. Like I'm really like I love doing the work. Um, yeah. I love this like behind the scenes. Like at one point in my life, I was like the the guy out here, like in my early twenties in college. Like I was, yeah, I was on the stage with a microphone doing auctions and fashion shows and this is all type of stuff. I'm like mm-hmm. now I'm just like I don't know. I'm just so. As I got older, I'm just so reserved because I actually want to like really solve problems in the black community, man. And I want to like yeah. leave this legacy here before I go and kind of create a system. So when I do transition, like the org and the process and the work that is done doesn't go with me. It's, mm. you know, I have the next kids and next generation like carrying on. So, but uh, it's the new, the, I guess going viral, which I never thought yeah. I'd ever say that. um it's uh it's hilarious man like because a lot of uh i woke up one morning and i have all these notifications on instagram and my emails i'm like man what's going on did somebody think i died like did somebody post a rumor like what happened and i go in there it's like Uh i just got two thousand new followers like all these dms in my i'm like like all these i'm like it's like 100 dms i'm like what is this and then yeah. I realized cause I did uh, that Spectrum One news um, mm-hmm. uh, article and uh, interview, and yeah. the black group, the, um, the black recorder uh, Ryan, she was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna put this out. You know, it's just gonna go on our website or something like that." So I didn't really think much of it. Like, you know, my doula mm-hmm. sisters and my doula mama came. You know, like, they was like always. They put they always put me on panels, and it's like, "Yo, you just got to do it." They need to hear from your side and your perspective. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm not in the game like y'all though, man. Y'all got like 20 years. It doesn't matter, Dustin. Just just get on the panel and just do it. Just do the interview." Yep. I'm like, "All right, man." <laughs> so like that's how the interview came up, uh, came up, and she put it out there. I get a call from my grandma, and like family is screaming and shit, like, "Ah!" <laughs> Like they the news, you know. Like people still put the news on a high level, you know, uh-huh, with so yeah. many, so it's many different outlets out there. Uh-huh. Yeah, hey, so that spread like wildfire. Uh, everybody started sharing that um, mm-hmm. that article. It made it to Facebook, and you know, the old heads on Facebook was like, you know, shouting me out. My dad's on there, and he's sharing it to everybody, and it's like his friends, and it's just. It was just a lot. And then, you know, yeah. I'm getting those uh, Zaddy Zula uh, comments. I'm like, what is a, Z- what is a Zaddy Zula? Jesus. <laughs> like, it was so many. Uh-huh. Man, yeah. it, was so many sh- it was so many shots thrown. I was like, low, have mercy. This is. <laughs> uh, I appreciate this. Um, you know, yeah. is there any, like, you know, Zula talk you want to talk about? <laughs> um, 
I am single, yeah. like, you know, dating is not my a priority at the moment. But yeah, you know, like, uh, yeah, I'm currently single, no kids to answer all your questions. Um, <laughs> it's just, this has been funny, like, and yeah. crazy. I just, I did a podcast the other day with uh, someone and I didn't recognize her until like I was speaking with her. Um, God just said, Yes, I'm like, Yo, you're that one person from my favorite uh, uh, television show from a kid. She's like, Yeah, yeah. You didn't know? I'm like, No. <laughs> oh, no way. Like, yeah, so it's just, it's been it's been funny. Like the the Good Morning America, like, uh, yeah, GMA. people read our art. Yeah, people read the articles like, and you're like, a lot of people know who you are now. I was like, mm-hmm. huh, all right. all right, you know, it's cool. So you know, and again, you know like I've just been enterprise. Yeah, so you don't even know I, and how to been going. And I rock yeah. with Black Enterprise, man. Like I used to get the magazines all the time. So like, and yeah. I always, and I still like on their page and I go to their website often because like you know I I love business still and I love a hundred percent when I see like you know black entrepreneurs or this black um. CEOs or leaders get into spaces that that representation is there because again it just pours back to like the mission of our own like how do we create this this ecosystem that's thriving um, and um, sustainable and a lot of it is focused on economics you know like Dr. Claude Anderson says like there's five pillars to it and the bottom portion you got to start with economics and build this up and have all of this and everybody having like their own lane essentially and is uh, Mm -hmm. moving forward so yeah yeah love 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 well let me know if it's anything else you want to leave everybody with and if not then tell everybody where they can follow you and find you and how we can donate and support our own as well because we definitely want to know that absolutely um you guys can find me at our own um www.ourown.com is the website or you can find me on instagram which is our own as well as o-u-r-o-w-n um, there's a link in the bio that takes you to the donation page um, to support whichever program that you want. So, like, we believe in venture philanthropy. So, you can identify whichever one you want to support. If it's the doula work, if it's um, seed and soil, be right back, or self. Um, or, um, you can select one of those, and that's where your donation dollars will go to. Love it. Okay. Well, Dustin, thank you so much for being a part of the show. I really appreciate you. And thank you for the work that you're doing. I mean, even above and beyond the doula work, which is dope. And we appreciate that too. Of course, having the representation and just bringing back the concept of the village because we are so separated and so alone. And that's never the way that it was supposed to be. So I absolutely love that. We say all the time, where is the village and you're bringing it back. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. You're so welcome. I'm going to say thank you to you. Like this has actually been one of uh, my best podcast um just because i don't know it's just i'm still big on energy and like yeah the, uh the conversation the flow and everything was just great so i, I enjoy um opening up this uh this DM, saying yes <laughs> and just actually uh enjoying this conversation with you today so i really appreciate you reaching out um and sharing my story to uh to your audience and using your platform yeah 100% and thank you we are so so appreciate you all right thank you doulas we'll see you guys in next week bye <laughs>